welcome to First Times the Charm, a case where we look back at prior episodes before we started Fourth Times the Charm. We are going to have a two-part episode of our top music albums of the year coming up, and we also have an amazing interview, which might be the best thing we've ever done with this podcast, coming up before the end of the year. Because I couldn't quite get all of my files in a row for this week, instead what I'm going to give you guys is I am going to deliver a bit of a fourth times the charm throwback. This is from a few years ago, the podcast you're about to listen to. It's the Wild World of Wrestling. It was a podcast where I interviewed several independent wrestlers and personalities from across the nation, and I tried to differentiate it by interviewing them in character. Uh, it was a lot of fun to do, and who knows, we might try and go back to it at a certain time. Uh, but this one was by far my most popular episode when it first came out, and it's probably best known for being one of the first interviews with Aubrey Edwards before she signed with All Elite Wrestling back in 2019. Everyone I worked with on this was a lot of fun, and I'm happy I get to share it again. So, while you guys are waiting for your two-parter, which will most likely both parts come out next week, in the meantime, let's take a look back and enjoy the wild world of wrestling. Wild World of Wrestling, the wrestling podcast that gets you closer to the ring than ever before. I am your host, Big Benjamin Tucker, and today we bring you interviews with several talents from the Pacific Northwest wrestling scene. Ahead of their tag team main event bout at Without a Cause Wrestling's first day of Springboard on March 24th, we will hear from MMA expert Chase James, as well as his rival, the extravagant, cool dad, Chris Ross. We will also take an exclusive look at one of the top referees from the Pacific Northwest when we welcome referee Aubrey Edwards to the broadcast just weeks ahead of her home promotion 3-2-1 Battles Battle Mania on April 19th at the Showbox in Seattle, Washington. If you have any questions, please reach out at bendavidtucker at gmail.com or at btuckertorch on Twitter. And with that said, let's get to today's first guest. In the Pacific Northwest of the United States, one of the independent promotions that has recently truly broken out into the mainstream is Without a Cause Wrestling. Their next event, Without a Cause Wrestling's first day of Springboard, will feature this next individual. He's one of the main stars of Without a Cause Wrestling, truly a rising star, a legitimate MMA background, which he has transitioned to the ring 
At the last Without a Cause Wrestling event, he defeated legendary independent wrestler Joey Ryan, and now he will be teaming with his former rival at this next event in a tag team match against Chris Ross and Kingpin Johnny Flynn. Please welcome at this time Chase James. Chase, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing quite swell. Thank you very much. Now, walk us through, please, your career. As I've already told everyone, you had a an MMA background. What made you transition from mixed martial arts to the ring? Well, you know, I got into MMA at a really young age. I uh, basically had lost my father to cancer, and my way of coping with it was spending every day in the gym and fighting and you know, it was, a, it was kind of a way to release a lot of stress and energy and emotions I had built up. Uh, from there, I basically just kind of got caught up in life. I was moving around for work and doing a bunch of other adult things that kind of pulled me away from my passion of MMA. And then I uh, finally reached a point where I had was settled down a little bit and went to go to get back into a jiu-jitsu class and stumbled upon a pro wrestling class. And I was like, man, this is something I've always wanted to do since a kid. So decided I better at least check it out and try it out. You know, it kind of started as a uh, let's see how this goes. And then it ended up running into something that I'm pursuing pretty heavily now. Now, we've seen a lot of MMA stars recently transition over to pro wrestling. Could you explain how that transition is if it gives you presumably a bit of a leg up on new recruits and potentially some things you would have to unlearn or relearn when switching sports well i mean there's not really much switching a fight's a fight you know you go in there i think that having an mma background definitely gives us a, a few more extra tools than some of the guys have out there you know it's uh a lot of guys get surprised when you, they find out you can put them on their back from multiple different angles. So I think having the MMA background definitely gives a little bit of a uh, an upper hand as far as creativity goes and catching someone by surprise. Is there anything that you felt was hard to transition to from uh, MMA, potentially the large amounts of rule breaking that you see in pro wrestling as compared to other sports? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of how we got into this whole tag match here that I'm coming up on without a cause. I, uh, I had a singles match with Joey Ryan. We had a good gentleman's match, uh, a lot of back and forth. I was able to secure this pinfall victory. And next thing I know, this uh, kingpin Johnny Flynn guy decided to just come into the ring and try to attack me from behind. So it's, uh, it's definitely a different breed considering there's a lot of rules that seem to be broken quite frequently in pro wrestling. Moving back to this tag team match without a cause wrestling, first day of springboard, you will be teaming with Joey Ryan, and Joey Ryan is also loved by the fans much like yourself, but he is a very loud personality, a bit different from you. Do you foresee having any troubles potentially coexisting with Joey Ryan? Oh, absolutely not. Joey's been doing this for a long time. He's a great dude. You know, he, uh, He's oily enough that he can slip out of any sticky situation. And I think that the loudness that he brings to the ring is actually gets inside of his opponent's heads more than people really think. I know when I was going on there one-on-one -on -one with him, just seeing him pouring the oil on and being confident, you know, giving away lollipops and everything else made me realize that this guy was relaxed. And it kind of made me nervous. So I think that when we get out there and 
we're able to work as a team, I think we're going to have some great chemistry and finally be able to uh, take out a couple of bullies that's been running around without a cause. Let's talk about these bullies. Chris Ross, Kingpin Johnny Flynn, what is their MO heading into this match? You know, there are a couple of old dudes who are really trying to relight the flame right now. Cool Dad Chris Ross ran into some money. He uh, started his own little team that he calls Daddy's Money, and he basically bought the most talented kids he could find and tries to claim them as his own. The dude's a total sleazeball. His, uh, his biggest feud to date has been with Sonny D. Uh, he was trying to buy stock into there, and they actually turned him away. So he's, uh, he's trying to relive his glory days, and I think Joey and I are going to be able to put a stop to that. His partner, King Flynn, I already kind of put a stop to that at the last show. Well, technically Joey's dick did, but he, uh, <laughs> I think there's going to be more shenanigans in their future. Very interesting. Now, how long have you spent in the pro wrestling scene now since transitioning from MMA? Uh, I was in MMA for about seven years and then transitioned into the pro wrestling scene about a year and a half ago. So overall, I have about eight and a half years of combat experience. And now with transitioning over the last year and a half, what would you say is your most signature victory at the moment? Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, it, as much as I'm, I love the guy and I'm going to be tagging with him, I'd have to say my biggest victory right now is over Joey Ryan. With When this tag team match is out of the way, what whose eyes are you going to lock with? Potentially, could we see you developing a longer-term tag team with Joey Ryan, or do you prefer to work solo? You know, I'm definitely a solo act. I, uh, I've done quite a few tag matches in my day, and they're always fun, but... For me, being out there and having everything relying on me puts more pressure on me, and I seem to do well. I seem to do better under pressure, so I like putting myself in those environments and those situations where I'm not so comfortable, and I feel like I need to perform because it's counting on me. So when I'm out there on my own, I definitely seem to have a little bit extra oomph in my step. With your stock rising over the last several months. Do you see yourself moving out of the Pacific Northwest scene more and potentially traveling to more of the U.S., or do you feel more comfortable in your home base at this time? Oh, I got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, the next few months, I'm going to be up in Canada. We have some stuff in Oregon. We have some stuff in Colorado. And uh, it's definitely shaping up to be a pretty busy year. My goal for 2019 is to expand and go to as many new areas as I can. One final question. Your final comments before Without a Cause Wrestling's first day of Springboard, Chris Ross, Kingpin Johnny Flynn, what message do you have for them? You know, the only message I have is that I'm really looking forward to finally shutting those guys up. You know, they've been a couple of bullies. They've been running amok all over the place. And I, I definitely can't wait to get my hands on them give some justice to all the little whackers in the crowd and everyone whacking at home that's watching without a cause. Thank you very much, Chase James. Chase, where can your fans find you on social media? You can find me on Facebook by searching Chase James and you see the handsome devil that looks like me. Uh, Twitter, Instagram is ChaseJames58. And that's pretty much it. Thank you very much, Mr. James.
March 24th, without a cause, wrestling's first day of springboard, one of the marquee matches is a special tag team encounter. Independent wrestling stalwart Joey Ryan teams up with his former rival Chase James as they take on Kingpin Johnny Flynn. And my guest at this time, he calls himself the Cool Dad, and he has quite an interesting background. Please welcome at this time the outspoken Chris Ross. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing all right. You know, uh, marquee matchup. I think you meant to say main event, but I'll accept it. My apologies. Uh, I just got done interviewing Chase James. He had a lot of choice words to say about you, but this whole issue seems to have stemmed from Without a Cause Wrestling's previous event, Chase James defeated Joey Ryan in singles competition, and then Johnny Flynn and yourself come out to the ring to assault both men. Can you describe to us how this all came about? Well, you know, Johnny and I are just tired of being on the lower half of the card. I think it's our time to be at the top, you know. Money buys a lot of things, but apparently it can't buy this idiot promoter, Max Zaleski's time and effort to put us at the top of the list the main event so we decided to take the main event now you you mention your wealth and obviously this has been very much ingrained in what people know about you it's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way potentially can you elaborate further on your uh, as you've described before your vast uh, monetary resources you know, as a young man, I've made a lot of good investments. And then with money, you know, comes a little power. You get to, you get used to getting what you want in life. And so when people don't give you what you want, when you offer them a little skrill, it starts to make you mad, you know. And I don't like to be angry. I like to get what I want. You talk about getting what you want. One of the things that Chase James mentioned was your uh... – he described that you purchased children. Can you, the cool dad, elaborate on this accusation? Every king in a kingdom wants a heir to his throne. I, I'm rich. You don't get rich by having kids of your own. That's not how it works. I made good investments. I built up a strong business. I made money. I didn't have children. But I need to hear to my empire, so what do you do? You pay somebody. That's what money does. It gets you everything you need, and I need to hear to the throne, so I bought Travis Williams and I bought Eli Surge, two very prominent young men, hopefully going to take over the throne one day, depending on how they take control of their futures in this business. And how would you describe your relationship with your apparent children? good they get what they need daddy always provides some people have thought that your demeanor is a little exotic a little strange a little removed from what many would call normal do you agree with these accusations normal what my normal is the world i've built for myself just because people are poor and they're peasants, they don't understand the, the life of a rich man. They're normal. Pfft, what, what's their normal? Going to McDonald's? 
why go to McDonald's when you can just pay a personal chef to make you whatever you want? You know, some people's normal is so boring. I'm much more exciting than that. Many have talked about your apparent abrasive attitude, and it seems like you embrace that sort of mood. You have to. It's about... Oh, boy. You know, it's really just about, like I said earlier, getting what you need. And uh, people rub, rub you the wrong way. You know, Johnny Johnny No Name comes around telling you what to do. You know, little Max Zaleski runs the shows. Hey, hey, cool dad, you're gonna you're gonna be on second tonight. Blah, 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 blah. What? Who? Who does he think he is telling me where I'm gonna be on the card? You know, I, I I'm number one. I should be at the top. So you say these you're... little these little peasants. Yeah, they just they irk me. So you say that you're number one, and yet. On March 24th, you're going to have to team with Kingpin Johnny Flynn. Do you think that this attitude will potentially cause any rift in your relationship at all? Or are you planning on taking charge of the situation in spite of that? Johnny and I have been partners for a long time. Several years. We've been in the business together. We've had matches together. We know each other inside and out. We know what the other one's thinking before it even happens. He's my PIC, my partner in crime. Not that I'm a criminal. I made all my money legally. But I have no qualms with Johnny Flynn, and I'm sure that we're going to take Chase and Joey's heads clean off their body. In spite of the fact that you just said that you are number one, if if Johnny Flynn heard that, would he agree with you? Of course he would. It's a Johnny Flynn. He'd always just agrees he understands this business proposition chase james said that he cannot wait to get his hands on the two of you and shut you both up he has an extensive mma background are you at all concerned for what that may bring to the table come march 24th mma background jesus this kid where does he come from spokane Spokane. What kind of MMA is in Spokane? We all know the best MMA coaches in Seattle. Why am I worried about this guy, this kid? He has dimples, for God's sakes. He doesn't have a beard like a man. <sighs> I'm not worried about him. We got some street fight in us. I'm not worried at all. So then what about Joey Ryan, who's one of the top independent wrestling stars right now? Do you have any potential qualms over what unorthodox behavior he may exhibit in the match. Listen, I, I've been thinking about this Joey Ryan thing. Okay, I, I watched Chase and Joey Ryan. I watched Johnny get assaulted by Joey Ryan, and I, you know, I, I just, I've been thinking about it, and I think I have a way to beat him. I'm not going to give you all the details because that kind of ruins it for myself. So just know that Johnny and I have a strategy to take out Joey Ryan. Very interesting. Moving past March 24th, what is in your eyesight moving forward? My my eyesight is on being the first ever without a cause champion. Now, I've heard rumblings. Rumblings that in April, a title belt will be in the works. It should be there. Not without a cause for our April event. And I feel like... No, no, no. I don't feel like. 
I know for a fact my name is going to be at the bottom of that belt after April. So in many ways, a victory in this match could put you one step closer to that championship and a loss could theoretically take you completely out of contention. Is that right? You could say that. I've uh, I've had my worries, my fears, but when you're as rich as me, fear is kind of, you know, non-existent. For our listeners here, what would you say is one of or your top tier marquee match of your career that you would point others to? Oh, boy. Ah, boy. It'd have to be uh, myself against Darby Allen at Ronin Pro in Florida when I took out Darby Allen when we made our illustrious debut in Florida, me and Johnny Flynn. I remember it like it was yesterday. No, I can't. I got hit really hard in the head. That is all all right. March 24th is coming right up. Do you have any final words for Chase James and Joey Ryan without a cause wrestling's first day of springboard? What do you have to tell to them directly? These two, these blow pop assassins, they think that they're going to come in and they're going to make fools of us in the main event without a cause five. That's just not going to happen. Johnny and I have been thinking, we've been planning, we've been scheming. And I'm positive that Chase James, in his illustrious career from Spokane, is not going to have the experience to take Johnny and I out. And now that Joey Ryan, if you just avoid his nether region, he's just a man. He's just a human. He's easy to beat. We have a strategy, we have a plan, and when executed... Only one thing can be at the end of the night. Johnny and Chris standing tall with their hands in the air. Thank you very much, Mr. Ross. Where can your fans find you on social media? Find me on Twitter. Cool Dad Chris Ross. That's where all the good stuff happens. Very good. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, March 24th, Without a Cause Wrestling's first day of Springboard, Chase James, Joey Ryan in the main event against Cool Dad, Chris Ross, Kingpin Johnny Flynn. Mr. Ross, thank you for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. I like doing charity. Makes me feel good that I can pad my wallet and, you know, do something nice for the little man. One of the most maligned jobs in wrestling is also one of the most important. Our next guest featured this evening is a very well-known referee in the Pacific Northwest who is also making a name for herself on the national circuit. She has taken time out of her busy schedule to show us some of the more sophisticated ropes of the squared circle. She is known by many names, sometimes as Girl Hebner, but today we will refer to her as referee Aubrey Edwards. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, I would like to welcome you as the very first referee uh, official to be on the wild world of wrestling. A Certainly a different take from the usual cast of colorful figures that we see on this program. And hopefully over the course of this interview, you'll be able to provide us a bit of insight as to what it's like from the referee's point of view, because... 
as wrestling has lots of passionate fans, some would say that the referee gets the short end of the stick a lot of the time. Uh, that is That can be quite true, yes. <laughs> so let me start out by asking you, what drew you to wrestling and what inspired you to be a referee in particular? Ooh, what drew me to wrestling? Um, I started watching wrestling. It wasn't actually too long ago in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I picked it up. Uh, I think it was WrestleMania 27 was the first time I actually watched wrestling. Uh, and a big reason for that was because a lot of my friends who would watch wrestling when they were younger uh, had all heard that The Rock and Stone Cold were coming back for WrestleMania. So we made a big party of it. We watched it. And I literally knew nothing at all, like a single thing about wrestling. Like I'm Googling The Undertaker as things are happening, going, who's this guy? Um, so I knew very, very little at the time, uh, but I immediately fell in love with it. Like all of the characters, all the theatrics, all of the larger than life, uh, aspects of it. And like really just dove in, became a fan, started watching stuff on WWE, started watching indie stuff. And I basically just tried to consume as much as I possibly could. Uh, and it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that I actually had the opportunity to start refing. And I started training with the 321 Battle Academy up in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I learned how to ref uh, from our team of referees and eventually got on a show. And sort of the rest has just been a wild ride since then. Very interesting. Now, from that point, you've been res you've been refereeing, excuse me, about a year and a half? Correct. And since then, what have been some of the trials and tribulations you yourself have run into while on the field of the squared circle? Ooh, uh, trials and tribulations. Um, it's it's a very interesting role in the sense that uh, you're a part of the action, but at the same time, like, you are the authority. So you play this interesting role of you're the one in charge of everything. I mean, the, the competitors have to pay attention to you and listen to you, but at the same time, uh, no one's there to see you, right? They're there to see the wrestlers. They're there to see the action. They're there to see the match. So it's this interesting role of being both out in the front and also back invisible behind everyone else. So that's been sort of the, the interesting uh, thing that I've had to navigate as far as this role. Um, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, I, I had no idea how much uh, work would go on outside of the ring when it became uh, when it comes to being a referee like I was actually calculating a lot of the time that I spend day to day and a good chunk of this weekend was spent editing video for a YouTube channel I spend a lot of time emailing back and forth uh, I do a lot of promotional artwork uh, just a lot of stuff that don't it doesn't actually fall into the category of something you do inside the squared circle um, so it's kind of an interesting role because what you see me do and what I actually do are two very, very different things. As a referee, are there any issues with refereeing that fans normally wouldn't know about in terms of potential rules that don't come up often, uh, issues that are uh, more particular that you have to keep a close eye on? Mm. Could you give an example? Uh, one of the issues that has pervaded through the wrestling scene is the use of the closed fist. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some, re there are some referees who are a lot more relaxed in that aspect. And that's been growing in recent years. Whereas other referees are trying to maintain a stringent grip on that. What is, 
where do you land on the spectrum? Gotcha. Um, so as a referee, like I have a home base and I have other promotions I frequent, but in the grand scheme of things, I could be considered an independent contractor. I am brought in to do a job with a specific company, and at the end of the day, I leave. Um, that's that's ultimately what all of our role is. And each company is different, right? You're going to get the companies that, like even from a from the fan perspective, some companies are more you know indie rific spot fests. Some companies are more old school grappling. Some companies are more comedy. Some are more serious. Uh, where you fall, kind of. Uh, it's it's completely different and there's so much wrestling out there. There's like uh, you, you can't categorize one company as It's like this but this like there's so many different things that you can do. So what my role is is How I enforce the rules is actually dependent on the company so like your example of say the closed fist like the closed fist is something that's typically not called at a lot of companies anymore a lot of the old-school places um, still have it on the rule book is something that is illegal to use. Uh, I've actually only worked ever at one company that uh, has outlawed the closed fist, but most other places don't. And I think that's just a uh, changing of the times. We see that a lot in other sports as well, like the NFL has changed their rules over time. So as the NBA, um, so it was pretty much every sport um, as as time has progressed. Very few things have ever stayed the same from when like. I don't know. Is there an official rule book? <laughs> if since the rules were officially written down, things have things have changed uh, in many ways. Is there any particular rule that you would personally like to introduce to a theoretical pro wrestling rule book? Uh, mm -hmm. One one aspect that a lot of people have considered was. Uh, in the realm of tag team matches, which nowadays frequently break down, many people want to see a reversion to the 1970s uh, National Wrestling Alliance rulebook, which states that a pinfall can only be broken up by a partner once per match. So that's actually the rule in WWE right now. Um, it's something that is, I think, a lot of fans miss because of the way that television products are filmed. But I'd say, for instance, like if you sit and actually time, like with the timer from the moment the bell rings to the moment the bell stops, the matches are a lot shorter than I think you would guess. And so you're trying to fit as much content into a set amount of time as possible. So you don't really have the opportunity to say break up a pin a bunch of different times. So it is technically a rule with WWE. You can only break up a pin once. And I think there was actually um, a couple months back, Kofi was on commentary with the New Day and even said that, like, I can only break up a pin once, so I really have to make it count. That, that is very interesting. Now, a personal question I have, when more competitors are added to a match, like, say, a six-man tag, does that add on the number of pinfalls they can break during a match? Ooh, that's, that's a unique twist. Hmm. I mean, so first off, it depends on whether or not the promotion actually does respect that rule as, as you've defined it. Uh, the other thing then is what happens in the instance of where that match evolves. Hmm. It's interesting because wrestling has so much like set in stone, like tag matches go this way and 3v3 goes this way and singles competition goes this way. But still at the same time, every single match, it's its own individual thing. So I think ultimately it depends on what the promoter wants. How much referee discretion do you generally have in a wrestling match? Uh, discretion meaning... Ability to label something as rule breaking or not 
at your at your whim. Oh, I have complete control. That's part of the beauty of the job, right? <laughs> what True. I say goes. <laughs> what What would you say are some match types that are more difficult to call than others? Ooh, um, I personally have a harder time with multi-man matches mm-hmm. because there are so many different moving parts. Um, like with tag matches, you've got tag ropes, you've got... Um, uh, illegal competitors trying to get in. You've got um, managers potentially on the outside. You've got tag team moves. You've got a, a wide range of things. So like tag matches, just a simple 2v2 is already difficult enough as it is. So if you add more to that, say 3v3 or 4v4, it just becomes a giant cluster. Um, so I'd say there's, even just if the rules don't change or expand from what they normally are, uh, being able to keep your head on a swivel and maintain some sense of authority in a setting like that is extremely difficult. Now, one question that a lot of people have been sending me, and I don't want to be combative, but I'm going to throw this at you and see how you respond. A lot of referees in wrestling matches seem to be knocked out cold at the lightest touch only to appear at certain inopportune moments on that same note it'll be seen very often that during tag team matches for example a referee will be completely distracted for upwards of almost a minute at a time while certain wrestlers are being assaulted and as soon as the tide turns in favor of the opponent the referee seems to catch them immediately uh, there are many people who suspect that the referees are often paid off in the mm-hmm. sport, and we know that in certain nations like Mexico that that has been proven on many occasions. Even in national promotions like the WWE, there have been examples of that happening. Now, let me ask you, have you personally seen any examples of referees being paid off? Is this some sort of happenstance, or does it depend on the promotion? What do you think? I can only speak to myself, and I personally have never taken a bribe uh, from any wrestler. Um, I do kind of think I know what you're talking about with that, uh, like a referee being, I don't know, distracted, I think is what you were implying. But I mean, I've never had it personally happen to me. Occasionally, I'll have somebody try and get in, and I'm trying to tell them the rule, and I'm spending a lot of time, and they just seem to be ignoring me. So there's a lot of time where I'm very focused in that aspect. And you know, I did mention that tag teams, you do have to have your head in a swivel. So maybe that's on me and a way that I can grow. <laughs> but I do, uh, I mean, I just need to make sure that people are paying attention to the rules. Well, some people have suggested that referees should maybe form some sort of uh, unified group to avoid any sort of potential corruption. Um, also, going back to the idea that referees seem to go down far faster than most humans do on a regular basis when they're assaulted in competition, be it uh, directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many have said that that's just because the force of the wrestlers is that much greater, but other people remain skeptical. Uh, Once again, from an insider's point of view, could you provide some enlightening detail for us? Uh, I've definitely been in a situation where I have been, say, taken out by a wrestler, and it's, to me, it's completely conceivable. Like, it's, you have these big, strong competitors, men and women, 
who spend the majority of their time preparing for combat. And I'm not a wrestler. So by just the laws of physics, it makes total sense that I go down like glass. Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, with that said, your home promotion, as you've said yourself, is 3-2-1 Battle. Correct. On April 19th, they will be hosting Battle Mania in Seattle, Washington. What can we expect at this event? Ooh, uh, so Battle Mania is 3-2-1 Battle's biggest show of the year. It's essentially our WrestleMania, uh, if you couldn't pick that up from the name. But we're taking over the Showbox, which is a historic music venue in downtown Seattle. Uh, it's it's a massive venue. The first time we, we performed in it was last year, and it was a huge success. Tickets sold out. It was crazy. But we've got a ton of uh, really big names coming in. Uh, we've got Jonathan Gresham, Shotzi Blackheart. We've got Kimberly. We've got The Whisper. We've got... Uh, Chris Wolf is actually doing her last U.S. date at Battlemania with us, and then we've got all of the uh, local 3-2-1 battle combatants uh, who will also be there. So you've got your Dave Turners, your Steve West, your Big Cat Scott Henson, Daniel Maccabe, Sonico. Uh, it's going to be a night of fun and weird and incredible wrestling and just a memorable, memorable evening for any wrestling fan. Now, for you personally, do you have any matches in particular that you're most proud of for your calling or your involvement or just a wonderful match in particular that you happen to be refereeing? Uh, one in particular that, the first one that just came to mind, um, I refed a match last July that was uh, Timothy Thatcher versus Daniel Maccabe. Uh, Daniel's a local guy based out of New Westminster, British Columbia. He's been kind of a staple of the Pacific Northwest for a while, but he's actually starting to make his way to the Midwest, and he'll be out in New Jersey uh, during Mania Week. And then Timothy Thatcher, of course, is this incredible technical wrestler that many of us all know. But that match was, it was hard-hitting, it was quick, it was methodical, it was low to the ground, it was up high, it was everything you could expect from a technical grappling-based match that had both highs and lows and it was like even even being there i have a hard time reminding myself oh no you're actually working right now you need to do your job and not just sit and enjoy this <laughs> because it was an extremely enjoyable match between two competitors do you have a preference to refereeing a men's match or a women's match or are you good all the way around uh i have no preference because to me they're the same thing we're all competitors very good. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you very much. Uh, how can our fans find you on social media, Miss Aubrey Edwards? You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ref Aubrey. Uh, I also recently started a YouTube channel. You can uh, search for Referee Aubrey Edwards there. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much all over Pacific Northwest. You'll see me kind of break it out a little bit soon. So definitely follow along to see where I'm going to be next. Well, thank you very much for your service in the line of duty. And next time I see a referee uh, take a hit, I may not be quite so presumptuous. Thank you once again, referee Aubrey Edwards. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, Without a Cause Wrestling's first day of springboard will take over Everett, Washington this Sunday, March 24th. 
featuring the likes of Chase James, Chris Ross, Sammy Guevara, Joey Ryan, and Darby Allen. They can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at without a cause WA. They can also be found at WACProWrestling.com. Meanwhile, 321 Battles Battlemania, featuring the likes of Jonathan Gresham, will invade the Showbox in Seattle, Washington at 9 p.m. on April 19th. They can be found on Twitter at 321 Battle. And tickets can be purchased at 321battle.bigcartel.com. That is all for today, but you can always reach out and look out for more updates on Twitter at BTuckerTorch or by reaching out to me at bendavidtucker at gmail.com. Once again, this is Big Benjamin Tucker signing off. Thank you and good night.